Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I want to get into the message with the Lord's help. Last time I spoke, I talked about being both king and priest. That if you are a king, then you are somebody that takes territory. You are somebody that goes out and conquers. You are somebody that has a kingdom. But if you are not also a priest, that even though you take territory, even though you build your kingdom, your kingdom will be under a curse. And you could lose your kingdom just as fast as you got it. So this morning, I kind of want to stay in that same vein. And I want to talk to you this morning about being a disruptor. Say disruptor. Now, some people think that's a negative thing. But it's not a negative thing unless you're a negative person. Amen. (laughs) So what is a disruptor? A disruptor is a person or a thing that interrupts an event, activity, or process by causing a disturbance or a problem. Some of you are like, man, that's rough. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could do all that. And here's the thing, is that being a disruptor is actually something that makes you like Jesus. Because when it comes to the life of Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, it caused a disruption. When Jesus would go places, it would make devils mad. When Jesus would show up, it would offend the religious people. When Jesus would enter into a situation, it would defy the culture. When Jesus showed up, it would interrupt the plans of the enemy. When Jesus showed up, it would would cause problems for the religious people that thought they would just squeak their way into heaven. When Jesus showed up, he would touch the people who were unclean that nobody else would want to deal with. When Jesus would show up, he would extend grace to people that had been condemned. When Jesus showed up, they would would mock him. They would falsely accuse him. They would arrest him. They would spit on him. They would beat him and they would even crucify him. Now, why did they do all these things to Jesus? because he was a disruptor, right? You see, the devil's not really concerned about the people that are doing nothing. He's not worried about lazy Christians. He's not worried about people that don't praise, the people that don't worship, people that don't pray, people that don't preach the word. The devil's not really concerned about people like that. But when you begin to disrupt the devil's plans, when you begin to worship the Lord and praise him, when you, be, when you begin to enter into a new territory and drive out the darkness, I've got news for you. All of hell is going to fight you because you are a disruptor. If I was to play in a basketball game and I was matched up against somebody like LeBron James. (laughs) I'll tell you this, he probably wouldn't even guard me. Right? Uh, And I would probably still break my ankles. (laughs) You see, you don't guard against somebody that you're not afraid of scoring. So there is a reason why the devil has been fighting you so hard. There is a reason why you've had to go through the things that you've gone through. There's a reason why you found an enemy at every area of your life, why why work is so difficult for you, why there's so much conflict in your home and in the community. There's a reason why the devil has been trying to fight you so hard. And here's why, because where you are going and who you are becoming makes the devil nervous. Where you are going and who you are becoming makes the devil nervous. He's afraid that if you get there, that it'll be too late. So he'll do everything he can to take you out right now. You see, the devil's okay with you being a spectator. 
and you could walk into a church and you could look around and you could see who a spectator is. There's some people in the church, you look at them and if you were to hand them a bag of popcorn, they would look just like they do at the movie theater. The devil's not worried about those kind of people. But when you start becoming a participator, when you start praising God until something breaks in your life, when you start praying and declaring the word of God, it'll make the devil angry in your life. Now let's go to our text in Mark chapter five, verse one through 20. I've got to read this whole passage. It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send them some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission and the evil spirits came out of the man and entered into the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. It says the herdsmen fled to a nearby town and surrounded the countryside, surrounding the countryside and spread the news as they ran. After they did this, people rushed out to see what had happened and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed with perfectly, fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. It says, then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus, go away and leave us alone. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and begin to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. You see, when Jesus showed up to the region, he caused a disruption. He made the devils mad. He made the people mad. He probably even upset the pigs, right? He caused a big disruption. So what is it about Jesus that made him a disruptor? The first thing is his presence. Because when Jesus showed up to a region, his presence meant authority. His presence meant that whatever had exalted itself up in that region, whatever had established its own kingdom there, it meant whatever was there when Jesus entered the region with his presence, it meant that whatever it was that was there had to bow to him because he has the authority. It was also his person because when Jesus shows up to a place, he shows up as the son of God. He shows up as our redeemer. He shows up as our deliverer. He shows up sinless and righteous and holy. So we have a region that is, that is consumed by devils. We have a region that is in chaos and turmoil. And now the presence of God is in that region. The authority of God is in that region. The redeemer, the deliverer is in that region. The righteousness of God, the holiness of God is now in that region. And where light shows up, darkness has to flee. 
They had the presence of Jesus, his person, and then they had his purpose. Well, what was the purpose of Jesus? In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So when Jesus shows up to a place that has been enslaved, to a place that is being consumed by darkness, then when Jesus shows up, it is disruptive because Jesus' whole purpose is to set the captives free. So when he shows up to a situation or a place where there is bondage, then it's gonna cause a disruption because in his presence, the bondage has to break. And here's the thing that God, God's presence in your life makes you a disruptor. Because Jesus said the same authority that he had, he has given to all of us. So when you show up to a place, when your presence enters a room, that means that you have authority. That means that you are walking in your kingdom and you have a priestly anointing upon your life so you can take authority over any other thing that has tried to exalt itself in that place. You have his presence in your life. And your person, when it comes to your person, when you show up to a place, it's not you coming like the person that you used to be. But it's you showing up to the situation as the person that you are in him. It's you showing up to a situation as a new creation. It's you showing up to a situation as somebody who has been delivered, as somebody who has been redeemed, as somebody who is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are showing up to the situation as that person. And when you're that person, in a place of darkness, it will cause a disruption. And so it's not just your presence, it's not just who you are in God, but it's also your purpose. When you show up to a place and you're walking in the purpose that God has for you, it's gonna disrupt every devil that you come in contact with. When you show up to your job and you show up with the presence of God in your life, and, you, and you're walking in his healing, you're walking covered by the blood of Jesus and you walk into there knowing your purpose, that God has created you, that God has positioned you there to take authority, to make a difference, to help set the captives free. When you show up to your job like that, it's gonna make some people angry. I mean, you've wondered why people at your work don't like you. You've wondered why your neighbors, you wave to them and they don't wave back. I've got a couple of those. You smile, you wave, they just turn the... Who you are and what you carry will disrupt every area that you go to. Amen? So here's the thing, the people in that region were more afraid of deliverance than they were demons. They were more afraid of deliverance than demons. It says, when the man got delivered, he was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Jesus delivers the man, the man that they could not contain, the man that would shriek and howl in the middle of the night, the, Jesus comes and delivers this man, sets him free, and it makes everybody afraid. And it says, those who had seen what happened told the others how the man had been healed, and all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of, spear, of fear swept over them. You see, what made them so afraid of what Jesus did in the man's life? Because if God could deliver him, if God could set him free, if God could drive the devils out of his life, if God could break the chains of bondage over him, 
then what is their excuse for not changing? You see, some people rather see you in chains because if you get set free, then they could no longer try to control you. When Jesus showed up and set the man free, he broke their control over the man because they were trying to throw chains on him. They were trying to keep him locked up in a cave. They were trying to keep him isolated. And there are people in your life that prefer you being bound because if you get set free, they run out of excuses and they can no longer use it against you to try to control you. They preferred him to be outside of the town. They preferred him to be locked up and in chains and in the cave. And here's the thing, if you are somebody who is bound by alcohol or drugs, you cannot expect your alcoholic or drug addict friends to want to see you set free. You can't expect those people to want to see you get set free. Because if you get set free, it'll make them uncomfortable. Because they can no longer justify their lifestyle because you're no longer living it. They can't say, well, I do this because, because so-and-so does it. No, so-and-so's been set free, redeemed, delivered. What are you waiting for? The devil... What he does is he attacks us where it matters the most. I've read this story and many times I never understood why. Why did the devils, why did the demons that possessed this man, why did they want to go inside of the pigs? I never understood why. What was the reason behind that? But here's why. Because the demons knew something. They knew that pigs couldn't swim. They knew that if Jesus sent them into the pigs, that they could run off the cliff and they could drown and they could die. The devil attacks people where it matters most. So they wanted to go into the pigs because the demons knew if we get into these pigs, if we could destroy these 2,000 pigs, if we could drown them and kill them, then we are attacking these people in this region where it matters most to them. We are taking away their wealth. We are taking away their finances. So what does the devil do? The devil uses the pigs to attack the people in order to turn them against Jesus. Money mattered the most to them, so that's where the devil attacked them and used it against them. That's why they wanted Jesus to leave. Because Jesus stole their bacon. I was just making sure you were awake. <laughs> he is after your relationship with God. That's why they said, Jesus, don't send us, don't send us out of this region, but send us into the pigs. Why? Because the enemy didn't want to relinquish his control over the territory. And he knew if Jesus doesn't send us out of this region, and if we could turn the people against him to drive him out of this place, then we could maintain control of this stronghold that we've established in this place. So here's something that, 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 that you should know, that, that the enemy only attacks what's valuable. So if you felt attacked in your life, if you felt things coming against you, if you felt like things just don't go your way, like you're met with conflict everywhere you go, then the reason why it's been like that is because you are valuable and because you are important. It's because the devil is trying to destroy you before you could get to the place that God is leading you. What does Jesus do? Jesus shows up and he disrupted the devil's plan for the man's life. 
Now think about this. This is an interesting thought that Jesus, what, did, he did a lot of ministry in Capernaum. And Jesus would often go up into the mountains and he would pray. He would pray late at night, early in the morning. Jesus would often separate himself and go to the mountains and he'd begin to pray. Well, between Capernaum and between the region of the Gerasenes, you have the Sea of Galilee. And it is believed that you could be in Capernaum and on a calm day, you could even hear the sounds from the region of the Gerasenes. You could hear the sound travel across the Sea of Galilee. So it's, it's believed that it might have even been possible that Jesus, while he was up in the mountains praying in the region of Capernaum, that Jesus might have even heard the man's screams and his cries for help before they ever even went there. That while Jesus was praying, that he could hear a man crying out, desiring help, desiring to be set free, consumed by darkness, consumed with pain, cutting himself and crying out, somebody, somebody help me. The people in the town telling him, be quiet. Go back to your cave. Don't bother us. But Jesus on the other side of the sea, hearing the man's cries. But the man in, in the region of the Gerasenes only hearing the people telling him to be quiet, that he doesn't belong. You see, maybe you've been in a place like that where you've cried out for help. And you feel like nobody is listening. I'm here to tell you this morning that God hears your cries. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've been going through. God hears your cries. When Jesus showed up, it changed the man's life completely. What did it change? The first thing it changed was his posture. It says when the man was delivered, it says he came and he fell at the feet of Jesus. He went from being bound in a cave, cutting himself with stones, to now being at the feet of Jesus, telling Jesus, Lord, let me go with you. I don't wanna leave this place. I don't wanna leave your presence. Instead of living in the wilderness, instead of being in bondage, he was now in the presence of his savior. It changed his posture. It also changed his appearance. It says that the man, the man was naked, running around screaming, howling, cutting himself. But Jesus didn't just show up and deliver him, Jesus also clothed him. And it says when the man was at the feet of Jesus, not only was he at the feet of Jesus, but he was fully clothed and his mind was sane. You see, Jesus doesn't just leave you exposed, but when he delivers you, when he disrupts what the devil's been doing in your life, he also covers you. You don't look like you used to. You're not as vulnerable as you used to be. He also changed the man's thinking. This man that was consumed by turmoil, that its mind was in chaos. It says that he was made perfectly sane. You see, think about it. There was a legion of demons inside of this man. Not one, not two, but thousands. Fighting for control of his life. Tormenting him. Ruining his life. There was a giant storm raging inside of this man. And yet when Jesus showed up, he disrupted the plan of the devil, and everything inside of the man, the storm that was raging, ceased. He was made completely sane. He didn't have thoughts of insecurity. He didn't have thoughts of doubt. He didn't have shame. He didn't have guilt weighing on his mind, but God did a complete and finished work in his life. Instead of being beat up and broken and bound, Jesus had showed up and he had made all things new. Amen. 
You see, you can change your actions, but if you don't allow God to change the way that you think, you'll find yourself right back in the same place you used to be. So he changed the man's posture, his appearance, his thinking, and then he changed his purpose. In verse 18, it says, as Jesus was getting onto the boat, it says, the man, he begged Jesus, Jesus, please let me go with you. Don't leave me here with these people. Don't leave me here with them. They don't like me. They hate me. They put chains on me. They've called me names. They, 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 they've shunned me. Jesus, don't leave me with these people. They've hurt me. But Jesus responds to the man. He says, no. He says, go home to your family. Now think about this. Think about how long it had probably been since this man had even seen his family. You see, God didn't just deliver the man, but he was restoring his family. Hey, these people might have, might have hated you, but there are still people here that love you. There are still people here that care about you. You still have a place here. And then he tells the man, he says, go and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towers of that region and the 10 towns of that region and begin to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And it says, everybody was amazed at what he told him. You see, when you stay close to Jesus, it's safe, it's comfortable. When you just attend church, it's easy. When you just serve in the nursery, it's easy. When you just play an instrument on Sunday, it's easy. But Jesus didn't deliver the man just to make things easy for him. He delivered him so that he could send him out with purpose and with power. He, he, he delivered him because he needed to set up an authority in the region and to let the devil know that darkness no longer rules this area. Think about it. That's why the Great Commission isn't to stay, but it's to go. God's got plenty of people in these walls. God's got plenty of musicians in this church, plenty of people in the nursery. But God needs people out in the streets pushing back darkness and saying, wait a minute. I don't care what kind of plans you had, but I'm here to disrupt every single one of them. Because you are a disruptor. Why did the devil work so hard to destroy the man? Before Jesus and the disciples ever made it across the Sea of Galilee, they had to go through a terrible storm. Why did they have to fight their way to get to the man? Because the devil was afraid of what would happen if the man had gotten set free. And I'm telling you, the devil is worried about what will happen if you get set free. If God delivers you from your addictions, if God sets you free from your sin, the devil is afraid of who you will become. He knew if the chains fall off of this man, he's gonna become a disruptor. Here's one of our problems. One of our problems is that the devil has more faith than we do. The devil, the devil knows that God created you for a purpose. The devil knows the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the devil believes in God's plan for your life so much that he will fight you and try to kill you before you ever even get started. Because if he knows you reach, if you reach that place, it'll be too late. Think about it. He knew that this man would be so effective in the region that he dispatched an entire legion of demons to attack him and to control him and to possess him. That, that he knew if, if, if God took control of the region, that revival would break loose. So the enemy tried to send an entire legion to stop the word of God from going forth in that area. He believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. You might think that you're worthless. You might think that, you, that God can't use you because of what you've been through, but the devil doesn't even have such low faith in you. 
The devil knows that you are a force to be reckoned with and you are one breakthrough. You are one breakthrough away from disrupting all of his plans. Here's what you have to do. You have to be like that man. You've got to stop, you, you've got to stop cutting yourself. You've got to stop hiding out in a cave. You've got to stop dwelling with dead people. You've got to stop walking around in chains. And you need to get out of that place and find yourself at the feet of Jesus, even if you have to get there with the devil on your back. It doesn't matter what's trying to get a hold of you. All that matters is that Jesus has come to your area to meet you. All it takes is a moment and it disrupts every plan of the enemy on your life. People say, well, you know, I've, I've got too, I, I can't come to church because I've got too much stuff going on in my life. You know, if, if I go to church, it's gonna make people uncomfortable. They're gonna look at me funny. Think about this. This man came to Jesus naked with chains, cut up to pieces and a legion of demons on his back and he still found himself at the feet of Jesus. So let me ask you today, what is your excuse for not getting set free from the things that have tried to hold you back? You need to become a disruptor. But here's what happens before you ever disrupt you have to cross over. God has to take you through some stuff to get where you're going. That's why Jesus and the disciples, they had to get on this boat and they had to travel somewhere new. They had to cross over from one region to another. Capernaum was good. Ministry was going forward. It was their culture. It was comfortable. It was their church. It was easy. The region of the Gerasenes was completely different. So they get on the boat and it says a fierce storm comes upon the boat. They think they're gonna die. They think everything's lost. They get Jesus. Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. What does Jesus rebuke? Demons. And here's the thing, the devil is so afraid of you and you are such a force to be reckoned with that he will do everything in his power to destroy you before you ever get to your destiny. The devil knows, okay, Jesus, you've got Capernaum, but don't come over here because he knows what will happen if you get to the place that he is leading you. And anytime you cross over, you will always be met with conflict. Conflict will come on your way. Conflict will be there when you get there. You see, they weren't just crossing into a new region, but they were crossing cultures. They were crossing cultures. They were going from a Jewish city to a place of Gentiles. Think about it. Think about what goes on in the mind of a, of a devout Jewish person when they show up somewhere and they see 2,000 pigs. They're like, what in the unclean devil is going on? <laughs> they were crossing cultures. And here's the thing, if you're going to be a disruptor, then you have to be open to crossing cultures. Then you can't surround yourself with all white friends. You can't surround yourself with all black friends. You can't just be a Democrat or be a Republican. You've gotta be willing to cross over into a new region. You've gotta set aside all your old ways, all your old junk, because the kingdom of God is multicultural, it's multicolored, and anytime you cross cultures, the devil's gonna get angry. Anytime there's a black and white church, the devil's gonna get angry. Anytime there's people in a church that are bilingual, he's gonna get angry because the devil gets uncomfortable when you cross cultures. So you might have been through a storm and you might be in a new area in your life, but don't think about why you went through what you went through. 
Some of you in here today, if, if you told your testimony, it would make people uncomfortable because the things that you've had to endure, the things that you've had to overcome, don't think about why you went through it. Think about why you survived it. Think about, think about why did you go through the storm but come out on the other side? Why did it destroy somebody else but you survived? The devil might have tried to take you out as a child. Maybe you had sickness in your life. Maybe you were even raped or molested or abused. Maybe you had to go through a few storms in your life. But the reason why is because the devil is so afraid of who you will become when you get to where you're going. I've got to hurry. So how do you become a disruptor? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to disrupt darkness. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And here's the thing is that God put a fire burning inside of you for a reason because fire is what gives off light. And God needs you to burn as hot as you can because the hotter you burn, the more light is gonna shine out of your life. And that is the only way that you disrupt darkness. You see, darkness and light, they're not opposites, they're not even equals. Because darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness has no power against light. When light shows up, darkness can't fight it off. Darkness can't do anything about it. When light shows up, the only thing that darkness can do is leave. And I'm telling you, when you begin to disrupt darkness, you do it by being the light of the world, by saying, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of what God is doing in my life. I'm not ashamed of who I am in Him. And when you show up somewhere, you show up with purpose. You've got to disrupt dysfunction. In James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you are going to disrupt what the enemy is doing around you and even in your own life, you better stop talking about other people and you better start talking to them. You do not have room for dysfunction in your life. It says not only are you supposed to talk to one another, but you're supposed to pray for each other so that you might be healed. And I'm telling you, there is enough backbiting that goes on in the church. We don't need any more gossip. We don't need any more people talking about other people behind their back. We need people that will shut their mouth unless they're talking to that person and who will lay hands on each other and begin to pray. Don't let the devil get inside of your relationships. Don't let him get in your family. Don't let him get inside your church because he is not welcome here. Can I get an amen? You've got to disrupt the dysfunction. You also have to disrupt denial. Matthew 10, says, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. And here's the thing, if how you live is different than the image that you produce to other people, then you're living in denial. I could look at somebody's phone. I could look at their social media feed. I could, I could spend five minutes talking to them outside of the church and I could know whether or not they're a Christian. I could look at their bank account and I could know whether or not they're a Christian. You see, when it comes to denial, denial isn't just somebody asking you if you're a Christian and you say no. Denial is the way that you live. You could deny Jesus without ever, ever even saying a word. When you're not walking in the purpose that God has for you, you're in denial. When you're not letting your light shine out in the world, you're in denial. When you're not telling people about who you are in Christ Jesus, you are in denial. Denying Christ is done through your conduct, who you are, what you say, and what you do. You've gotta disrupt denial. Next thing, you've gotta disrupt div divisiveness. 
Romans 16, 17 through 18 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to wash out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for these people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. You better be careful who you listen to. You better be careful who you take advice from. They may be a smooth talker. They may talk you up and flatter you with nice words, but you better be careful who you listen to because if you're not careful, the devil will use them and their words to cause division in your life. He'll make you look at people in your church differently. He'll make you talk to people in your church differently. He'll make you treat your family of God differently. Why? Because the devil would love for you to become political. The devil would love for you to become racial. The devil would love for you to be somebody that's controlled by tribalism. But here's the thing, it's our job to win people to Jesus and not win them to ourselves. We become deceived in, in thinking that we need everybody to like us and be like us. If somebody wants you to be like them, then you better be careful. If they don't want you to be who God has called you to be, then there's an issue. But we become real good at winning people to ourselves, getting them to like us, getting them to follow us, getting them to support us. And here's the thing, we were created to win people, but we were created to win people to Jesus. You see, we become lazy and we only do half of our job. We'll get them to like us, but we won't get them to fall in love with Jesus. I've got to hurry. You guys are taking up all my time. <laughs> the next thing, and I'm getting ready to close, you've got to disrupt your daily routine. And I love this passage in Isaiah 43 that says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You see, when you focus too much on your past, it will distract you from looking forward to your future. If you're so focused on what you went through, you'll lose sight of where you are now. Because like I said, it's not why you went through it, it's why you survived and you didn't survive to be stuck there, you survived to be where God has led you, where you crossed over, where you entered a new region and a new territory. That's why in your car, your rear view mirror is so much smaller than your windshield because you're not meant to be focused on what is behind you. You've got to be somebody that prays, pray, prays prayers like, God, what are you wanting to do in my life today? What are you wanting to do in my life today? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you used to cut yourself. It doesn't matter if you used to be in chains. It doesn't matter if you used to surround yourself with dead people. It doesn't matter if you used to have a few demons. All that matters, God, what are you trying to do in my life today? Because God is wanting to do a new thing in your life. It doesn't even matter what kind of revival you used to be in. It doesn't matter how you used to serve. It doesn't matter how you used to worship or preach the word. God is wanting to spring something up new in your life today. So let me ask you this. What is God doing in your life right now? If you make yourself available, you could just sit back and watch what God will do in your life. You could be 80, God will still use you. You could have been a drug addict. God will still use you. It doesn't matter how long you were bound. All that matters is that you've been set free. God will use you. As I close, you see the man that was full of demons, he was valuable. Jesus was willing to go through the storm for him. He was also willing to go a little further and Jesus was willing to even die on the cross for that man. And think about this, if Jesus was also willing to do that for you, 
If Jesus was willing to make sure that you made it through that storm, if Jesus was willing to die on the cross for you, even though you had gone astray, even though your life had been consumed by bondage and darkness, if, if Jesus was willing to do all of that for you, then just think about how important you must be. You see, Jesus wasn't just a disruptor, but he was a deliverer. He didn't just show up to cause chaos, but he showed up to set the captives free. He didn't wanna, he, he didn't just give his opinions about politics and racial things, but Jesus showed up to bring unity, to bring healing, to restore things that had been broken. If Jesus was willing to do all of that, because he saw value and he saw purpose in somebody that nobody else did. If Jesus was willing to do that for you, then what are you willing to do for somebody else? He went through a storm just to get to that man and set him free. And that man is you in all of your brokenness, in all of your flesh, Jesus went through the storm just to set you free. And if he did that for you, what are you willing to do for somebody else? In Luke 5, there's a story and I'm gonna summarize it for you. But there were these men who had a crippled friend. This man was paralyzed. He was living a life of torment, struggling, having to rely on everybody else, feeling worthless, feeling like he had no purpose, feeling like he had no place, completely at the mercy of other people. Can you imagine being paralyzed back in that day, laying there in the dirt, people walking by, everybody looking down on you, everybody kicking dirt in your face, everybody thinking that you were less than they are. And these men, they heard about a man named Jesus. They heard about this Messiah, this Son of God who had shown up and who was healing people, who was opening blind eyes, who was raising the dead, who was, who was healing people suffering from leprosy, who was doing all these incredible things. They heard about this man, and I, and I can imagine the paralyzed man, they, they, they're telling this paralyzed man, don't worry because something is about to break in your life. Something is about to shift because there is a man that has come to this region and his name is Jesus. So they picked up this man on his mat and they begin to carry him to where Jesus was. And when they get there, it says there are so many people surrounding this place and Jesus was inside. They couldn't even get through the door. And I could picture their whole conversation to the man on the way there. Your life is about to change. You're about to walk again. Not only are you gonna walk, but you're gonna run again. You're gonna live life. You're going to enjoy life. Your, your strength is going to return to you. So they carry this man walking in faith every step of the way. But when they get there, there's a roadblock because they can't even get inside. But think about this, they had so much faith and so much concern for this man that they scaled the building and they climbed up on top of the roof and they begin to rip off panels. Don't worry, it may not look like we're gonna get inside, but we're gonna make a way. We're gonna get you where you need to be. It doesn't matter if we have to tear down the roof. It doesn't matter if we have to knock down every wall. It doesn't matter if we have to push some people out of the way. We are getting you where you need to be. The man needed somebody to disrupt his life and say, you may have been paralyzed for this long, but today it's going to break. And I'm telling you, think about all the things that God has done in your life and He is wanting you 
to show up in somebody else's life and say, I'm gonna disrupt the plan that the devil had for your life. And today, something is going to break. Today, something is gonna shift. Something is going to change. As you stand to your feet, going to invite the prayer team to come. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling. You feel like the man in the cave. You feel like other people have kicked you out of their life. You feel like other people have tried to control you. You feel like other people, instead of helping you, they've criticized you. Maybe you feel pain. Maybe you've been crying out. Maybe you've been desiring something to change, but you just don't know how it's gonna happen. I'm telling you today, it could happen. And it's through Jesus Christ. It's through God's presence in your life, a presence that will show up and make all things new. The, the God that will make you into a new creation, the God that will renew your mind, the God that will get rid of that anxiety, that depression, that guilt, that shame. He is here to meet you today. Why did you go through what you went through? Because you're valuable because you're important, because God has a plan for your life. And I'm telling you, some of you in here today, you haven't even crossed over yet. There are still places that God wants to take you. There are still things that God wants to do in your life, but you've got to be willing to weather the storm. You've got to be willing to cross cultures. You've got to be willing to be like the men and get on top of a building and rip off a roof if you have to, to lead somebody to Jesus. God's got a plan for you. So if that's you this morning and you want prayer, maybe you're going through a hard time and you just need strength, we wanna pray with you. Maybe you wanna give your life to Jesus today. Maybe you wanna get set free from some things today. We wanna pray with you this morning. Let's worship him. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 